Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Our guest today is Sirenice Pierce. Sirenice is a financial educator, creator of the High Five Banking Method, and founder of Poise Finance and Lifestyle. In this episode, we discuss her family's financial struggles and how that fueled her to help others. Later in this episode, we discuss how her and her husband got on the same page about money and how they paid off $99,000 of debt. We hope you get a lot out of this episode. As always, thank you for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and motivation. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Sirenies. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Super excited to be here and talk to you guys. Yeah. So for those who may not know you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I'm Sirenice Pierce. I'm a financial educator and financial wellness educator as well, where I focus on helping people learn how to manage their finances and lifestyle with poise. That's why I called my company Poise Finance and Lifestyle. I'm a millennial. I'm a mom. I live here in California. So I definitely know how difficult it is to live your best life and also be financially responsible. So I share a lot of financial content, focus on systems and strategies to kind of hold us accountable and help us build our financial foundation, like the high banking method, the SOP, and the first A kit. I'm super excited to share some of those strategies with you guys today. Hopefully they help a lot of people, especially couples, learn how to manage their finances and, you know, get on the same page. (laughs) So no, you know, you are doing an amazing job just educating women and, you know, just, we just love your platform so much, but I'm curious, what led you down the path to become a financial educator? Well, in the beginning, kind of go pull back to the my past life. <laughs> During the 08 recession, my parents actually got really affected by the 08 recession because my dad was in real estate and you know, we were a one household income. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, at that point, I was about to graduate high school and my dad started letting us know that, you know, he can't make the payments on the cars. He can't make the payments on the houses. And any moment the sheriff may come by, don't be surprised when you see the police, (laughs) he might be kicking us out. And it really scared me. I started becoming very anxious when it comes to money. I started hoarding money. (laughs) Everyone knew me as, oh, they're so excited. Sirenies, the hoarder. (laughs) Because I was really fearful when it came to my finances. And when we officially lost the home and the sheriffs came and kicked us out, they told my mom that if we went back into the house, they would arrest us. And we were like, oh, snap. So I clearly felt like a criminal breaking into my house to get like basic essentials like toothbrush and, you know, clothes and my books for class. And I realized that I just couldn't continue living like this. I was allowing this financial fear dictate not just my finances, but my entire life. You know, I was started picking a career that I wasn't even interested in a major. I majored in pharmacy. I wasn't even interested in pharmacy. I didn't even like it. I just heard it was recession proof. And I was like, okay, I need to have like some stability in my life. And I learned so much about finances during that moment when I was walking out of my home. You know, I realized I couldn't continue living like this. I couldn't continue living in fear. And I realized that debt isn't always helping us. It's not always like told to us like, oh, it's leverage, it's leverage, you know, it helps us build wealth. But if you can't maintain that debt, pay, making those payments, that 
asset doesn't really belong to you. You know, my parents had a home, but if they didn't continue making the payments, that house is gone. Even after you pay off the house, if you don't pay your properties taxes, the house is gone. You don't make your car payments, that car is gone. So it becomes very eye-opening. You know, I have to learn how to take control of my finances and just going with the flow, doing what everyone else is doing is not working. And it was helping, not helping me, you know, deal with my financial fears or triggers. So that same week that we lost our home, I decided, you know what, I need to start making a change in my life. I need to start making changes that are not based around fear. So I decided to change my major from pharmacy to finance. And I kind of stumbled into like financial planning when I transferred to my university from my community college. They had a new program called financial planning and it was like a whole new thing. And I was like, wait a minute, are you telling me that there's strategies out here so that we don't have to keep on, you know, being on this hamster wheel of working till we die and we don't have to like build up our wealth and lose it all every single time there's a recession, every time there's an economic downturn, we could save money, we could be more purposeful with how we're investing, with paying off our debt. I was like, I was just mind blown because I was really young. I didn't know anything about money. So it was just a game changer for me because I realized these are the strategies that we need to know about in our community. And they're not talking to to us about it because realistically, people that look like you and me, we are not their target audience, you know? And I saw that when I was working at Merrill Lynch and I was working at Ameriprise and MetLife, I didn't see anyone that looked like you and me, my husband walking into the doors not even young people. And I think that's the craziest part too. You don't see young people. You don't see women going there by themselves. They're always with their partner. And I would hear them in the elevators and they're like, I have no idea what we just signed up for. I have no idea what's going on with our investments, how much life insurance we have. And I was just like, these are people with money and they don't know what's going on with their finances. This is not a good look. (laughs) We need to do something else. So I decided, you know what? Let me pull back. I want to start my family. I want to really help people that in my community, I don't just want to just be helping people that already have millions of dollars that probably aren't going to trust me with their finances anyways. So I decided, you know, let me go educate our community, do Q&As, put out financial topics that, you know, kind of are a basic for me because I learn about finances, but not that well known for other people. Like a lot of people think about rainy day funds and they just say here like, oh, save $100 here, throw $20 there whenever you get a paycheck. And they don't really know what the purpose is. So it's so easy to, you know, pull that money anytime you go into a credit card debt, anytime you want to go on vacation and not utilize the tools that are there for a certain purpose. So that's kind of why I got into financial education and why I teach financial wellness as well, because it's a mindset. Sometimes we don't realize, you know, what our bad habits are when it comes to spending or, you know, becoming hoarders like I was. There's a reason for it, but we have to work through these situations to really learn through them. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. You know, I have financial services background as well. And, you know, it's, it's so true. Like, we don't know this information and we're not like the target audience. So it's almost like we have to seek it out. And then once we learn that information, we got to, you just want to share it with everyone else. So I definitely relate with that, but you know, you have amazing story in terms of, you know, you were a pharmacist going to school for pharmacy and now, you know, you went to, you know, financial planning and 
once you learned all that information, you wanted to share it with so many people. So. Yeah. And not only that, I love that, you know, you took your own personal family experiences, right? Like you didn't let that stop you. A lot of times, you know, when we go through difficult times like that, like something as serious as losing your home, your family's home, you know, sometimes we can get put, we just kind of tuck into ourselves. Right. But it sounds like you like took action, right. Based on your experience. And you said never again. So you took your, re- you you learned all you could about finance, about personal finance, and you took those resources and then you started educating others with it. I think that's so powerful, you know, just using what you learned from your own experience and trying to empower others with that experience. Thank you. I also felt like something that a lot of people don't talk about in the personal finance space is sometimes we read about emergency funds, let's say, for example, and we kind of read it in a black and white aspect, but then we put it into our community, we have to kind of remix it to make sure that it's doable for us, for people in our communities who are living paycheck to paycheck or who may be single parents or who may not be able to have dependent on their families for, you know, financial resources. And I think that's what makes it so much more complex and kind of more interesting because again, our situations aren't cookie cutter and our situations is not what the book, the book examples are showing, you know, when you're in the finance space, everything is kind of like perfect. Like, Oh, if you want to buy a house, just ask mom and dad for, you know, 20 down, (laughs) 20% down payment. What's the issue? What's the problem? Grandma's going to give you the money for, you know, your 529 plan. You're just like, wait, what? (laughs) That's not the reality in our communities. So we have to make a lot of extra modifications and kind of put an extra baby step in there before we start attacking these financial goals and educational topics. So I feel like that's kind of been like the most interesting part for me in being in financial education. So, you know, you touched on something that I think is really important, you know, because a lot of times, you know, our circumstances aren't cookie cutter, like you said, and especially because we don't always see stories or people that look like us or have the same, you know, circumstances as us pursuing things like financial freedom, you know, sometimes we think it's not possible for us. And so I guess my question to you is like, what would you tell that person or that couple who's living paycheck to paycheck? Where should they start? You know, I was actually having a conversation with my uncle talking similar about similar circumstances like this for people who just just can't seem to climb their way out of their financial mess, if you will. So like, what advice would you give to that person who's living paycheck to paycheck? I would say to get clear on what their intentions are for their financial future. I feel like a lot of times our goals are, we'll set goals, right? We're like, oh, I want to buy a house. I want to retire. I want to go on vacation. And those goals are very like vanilla, I guess I want to (laughs) say. They're just so straightforward that we're not really focusing on the habits and the routines that are going to get us there. Consistently budgeting, consistently trying to increase our income, consistently working with what we have and realizing that we have to be flexible with our time frame. Sometimes our time frames are still, no matter what your circumstances, the time frame is, I want to become a millionaire at 30. It don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it, don't, it don't matter what color I am. If I'm a woman, I'm a man. It don't matter if I have a single kid. I don't care. The timeline is the timeline. And I feel like we've been really brainwashed with that and saying, thinking, oh, I have to get married at 20. I have to, you know, have a wedding at 25. I have to have kids at 
30 or whatever it may be, like realizing that your situation is so much more complex and you have to maneuver it and be very flexible with the timeframes that you're giving yourself. You know, you might have wanted to buy a house in three years, but it might take you five years, you know, because things are changing, things are modifying and you can't just go out and start investing all of your income, not realizing that your current situation is horrible. You know, one thing my dad told me a story, but back in the day when he's from Dominican Republic, that's where my family's all from. And he told us when you don't have your financial necessities in place, it's very difficult to focus on your future. My parents, my dad, they said it went through such a hard financial time where they didn't even have enough money for food. So him and his sister would eat salt without their parents knowing because they were just so hungry. And it got to the point that they consumed so much salt that they got hospitalized and my aunt passed away. And we're just lucky that my dad's here because, you know, that's what they were you know, they were kids, they were hungry. Like, what do you do when you're in that type of situation? It's really hard to focus on, you know, investing for retirement, buying a house, all of these things. You need to really focus on your current situation and making it doable. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, oh, I go out to eat four times a week. That's not what matters. What matters is having a good foundation, having everything that you need, being grateful for everything that you have, and then working from that stage. Once you have that, you know, that situation put in place, then work on getting a a side hustle or maximizing what you have and working up to the goals that you want to accomplish. But give yourself time. It's not going to happen overnight. Not everyone's going to be an overnight success. I know we see, you know, these child artists who are like, oh, they're overnight success. You don't know the hard work their parents have been doing behind them. Look at Tiger Woods, for example, Beyonce. These kids, you know, they've been doing the hard work since they were like babies almost. So you can't compare yourself to an unrealistic expectation if you haven't put in the work in the past to get to that expectation as well. That's just my kind of mental (laughs) around it. I I agree with you like 100%. I think social media doesn't help that either, right? When you see so many quote unquote people successful on your feed and you're like, well, why isn't, why am I not there? And, you know, I know to your point earlier, like just the investing craze, right? Everyone thinks like, oh, I got to start investing. And, and, you know, I love that you said, no, take a step back, make sure your foundation is set, get on a budget first and foremost, see where your money's going, what's coming in, what's coming out as the very first step. And, you know, I think, you know, we, what is it? Keeping up with the Joneses, right? Yeah, keeping up with the Joneses and <laughs> the Kardashians. You mean the now? Kardashians, right? Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Kardashians, the Jenners. <laughs> what oh my god! Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah, we're in this instant gratification type mm-hmm. of society, right? And we really need to make sure our house is in order, right, before we, you know, leave the house, right? Basically, yeah. and it goes back to the budget, and it goes back to like going deeper than just. I want to buy a home or I want to go on vacation. You have to go deeper. Why do you want that? What is the deep inside your family mission, right? Or your personal mission and tie that to your goal. Cause you're more like likely to succeed when it's something bigger than you or, or something that's very important to you. Yeah. And I love that you said like, don't put yourself on an artificial timeline, right? Like, you know, to your point, like, we do that all the time that by 30, I need to be a millionaire and have, you know, be married and have like everything needs to be set by the time I'm in my 30s. And like that is insane that we put that type of pressure on ourselves today. And the amount of debt that that kind of puts you in, think about it. They tell you, oh, you have to graduate college by 21. 
That's already, let's say, 40,000 average. Then on top of that, do a wedding, another 40,000 or 20,000 being conservative. Then after that, it's like buy a house. Okay, it's another 80,000, depending on where you live. Now have kids. Okay, (laughs) when does this stop? Can I take a break? Can I breathe? No, ma'am, you cannot. (laughs) It's like you have to let that go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like something that a lot of people are kind of not seeing very well is the depression that's going on in our community. And a lot of people are depressed to the point where they're committing suicide. There's more younger people going into the hospital, Mm -hmm. trying to hurt themselves. And it's hard to see. You just can't imagine like, what is this 21 year old so stressed out about because they didn't buy a Bitcoin, a specific Bitcoin. Now they're like, you know, in this situation mentally. And it's very harmful for our community as well, because before we weren't, we were always depressed, but it wasn't to the level now that we're seeing with, you know, a lot of young black men committing suicide. We're like, yo, we have to calm down the expectations, calm down the timeframes, because it's not just affecting our finances, it's affecting our lives, the people that we care about, people that we love. And that's hurtful to see, you know, such the youth, such youth go to waste like that. Yeah, it seems like we were more content and happier when we had less. Like back in the day in my parents' generation, they didn't have as much as we do today. And, you know, it seems like even though we have so much access and, you know, with to information that it's doing more of a disservice than anything. So, so no, now I want to just pivot a little bit and we want to talk about, you know, more of your story, particularly you and your husband's story about, you know, you guys were able to pay off a tremendous amount of debt. Yes. So can you just tell us a little bit about your debt payoff story? Of course. So like I said, I was in the financial planning industry and something that kind of caught me off guard when I entered that industry, like when I got into the office, they're like, oh, you guys know that you can't file bankruptcy, right? Or you'll lose your series seven, you know, your your financial planning, all your certifications. Like if you're not good with your finances, how in the world are you going to help other people with their finances and build their wealth? So that kind of caught me off guard. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm not planning on filing bankruptcy, but you know, those are like worst case scenarios financially. And I was thinking about our student loans because my husband, he kind of opened up to me when we were dating. We were still dating at that point, you know, engaged. He opened up to me that he has student loans and he was paying it off. And, you know, I was pretty much understanding of that. But then when I started, my student loans started kicking in. They're like, oh, okay, you have uh, three more months until you start paying them off. I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> we really need to start talking about this because, you can't file bankruptcy back in the day when it came to student loans. I know they're trying to change that now, but you know, at that time, that was a real fear of mine. I was like, I'm not trying to lose everything that I've worked so hard for over these student loans. Like that sounds very <laughs> whack, <laughs> to be honest with you. So my husband and I, we decided, how about if we pay off our student loans before we got married and we cash flow our wedding? And then from there, we'll pay off our cars. And that was pretty much the only debt that we had. So when we added that up, it ended up being a very pretty penny. We're just like, what happened? How did this add up to $99,000 of debt? What is going on here? But that's the funny part about debt. It adds up very quickly (laughs) and you don't even realize it. So since we were young and we didn't have any kids, my husband started a side hustle. I started getting my licenses and getting bonuses. And we were very aggressive on 
paying off our student loans and cash flowing our wedding at the same time. We probably shouldn't have had both of those goals at the exact same time. <laughs> it was a bit much, ambitious, to be right? <laughs> a little too ambitious. I would recommend, I would say to like do one over the other, not like stack them back to back, right? At the same time. But we did it. We were young. Like I said, we didn't have a lot of responsibilities like with kids or anything. We were open to cutting back on going out to eat and date nights. So, you know, it wasn't that much of a sacrifice. It was more of a priority. We were prioritizing to starting our marriage off on the right foot. And I appreciated it because it really showed me how much he cared about, you know, my happiness, my education, my career, and the things that make me happy. And, you know, that kind of grew our love and our foundation in opening up about other areas of our finances, talking about his financial traumas that, you know, he went through because his family also got affected by the oil recession. And, you know, it kind of built up a very positive communication style for us where we started budgeting together. We started, you know, saving our emergency fund, listening to Dave Ramsey together, reading financial books and entrepreneurship books. So it was a really interesting stage of our life where when we did end up, you know, getting to the wedding, probably one of the most proudest things that we were proud about, we were excited about, was like we literally paid off all of our student loans we cash flowed this wedding. We paid for our parents to come out here. And now we're in my homeland, Dominican Republic, for a honeymoon with no debt coming back except our cars. And we felt like we could do it. We're like, you know what? We, if we could do this, we could do anything. Our motivation, our just our fire inside of us was like lit. We're like, you know what? We're going to do something crazy. We're going to start a business. And we actually ended up getting pregnant like right after. So it was like a lot of things stacking up against each other as well. And we were very ambitious on wanting to pay off our cars and stuff of that nature. But I had a gut feeling. I'm like, you know what? We need to build up our emergency fund. One month is just not enough anymore. We live in California. Our rent's really high. It keeps on getting higher, you know, even before this whole pandemic situation. And we really focused on building up our emergency fund so that we both felt comfortable on the new journey that we were going to be going towards. It felt hard because We finished paying off my husband's car, but we still had my car that we just got into not that long ago. So it's really hard to want to pay off of their $40,000 car pretty much when you just finished paying off the loans, the student loans, the the wedding. So we was like, okay, let's slowball this car so that we can build up our emergency fund and really get our businesses going. Unfortunately, I found out and during my son's second, during my son's My second child's ultrasound that he had a heart defect and he would need open heart surgery either right after birth or a few months down the road. So for us, I felt like, you know what, I really don't care about the debt. Let's postpone that indefinitely for the moment and really focus on what matters here, which is our son's situation and making sure that we are financially covered to be able to be there 100% and not be worried about the money, not be worried about, you know, working or anything like that. And I told my husband, let's do the same strategy that we did with saving for the wedding for our son's heart surgery. So in that same savings account that we had for our wedding, now that was empty at zero at this point, we started saving the money for the surgery, for, you know, all the bills that were necessary for that month. And when it came down to the birth, the birth was great. He was like the healthiest baby in the NICU. They told us we can postpone the surgery for six more months down the road. And I was just like, oh, good, because the bigger you are, you know, the baby is the 
better the surgery's outcomes are going to be. So we were very excited about that. But when it came down to the surgery, we had to deal with a lot of family emergencies. My husband's father passed away a week before the surgery. So my husband was flying to Alabama and then coming back and then getting in the car, going to L.A. for our son's surgery. And it was very difficult because we started seeing a lot of other couples. You know, when you're going through a difficult time, you kind of need to like vent and just talk to other couples, other people. And they were telling us, you know, that the one of the moms, she had to quit her job because they didn't want to let her take vacation or time off to be there with her baby for two to three weeks. The dad was like doing Uber while the surgery was going on to make extra money because they couldn't afford everything that was, you know, costing. The dad also had to stay in his car because they couldn't get a hotel or the Ronald McDonald house because it was packed. And it was just a realization of, you know, there's people out here who are not just dealing with financial issues, but also emotional issues and family health issues. And it's really difficult to have to balance both of those. And I felt very, very grateful that I didn't have to worry about the finances during such a difficult time for our family. And, you know, even though I didn't get to pay off my car as soon as I wanted to, and our debt-free journey took longer than I wanted it to take, you know, at the end of the day, that same year, we got a tax refund for the first time <laughs> and it actually was enough money to pay off the car. And I felt like it was a sign to be like, you know what? God has you. Don't worry about your financial goals. Focus on what's really important and the finances will be figured out. Everything's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen. And you don't have to stress yourself on a timeline. Just focus on your baby, focus on your family, focus on your mental health. And you will get through this. And I was so, it was emotional, obviously. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, you're seeing the hard work pay off. You're seeing that focusing on the right things will always pay off. And the finances will figure itself out. Like I said, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a moment. <laughs> yeah, no, like I'm getting emotional just thinking about everything you just said. Wow. No, I mean, that's such an inspirational story, right? You know, and I can only imagine the challenges and as a mom thinking about your baby and just wanting them to just have a safe surgery, be healthy and just be able to hold them in your arms. You know, that's, that's really hard. And I think about the other families who not only had the stress of thinking about their children and their safety, but also their finances and trying to just figure something out. You know, I think it's an important message that you said, you know, like I think sometimes we can get so focused on our goals and, you know, our timelines and like, oh, we got to hit this. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to just your peace of mind and your family, (laughs) you know, your children, are your children fed? Are they clothed? Just the basic necessities. And like you said, everything else will work itself out. And yeah, I think it just comes down to just back to your foundation, right? Mm -hmm. Get your foundation in order. That's what's most important, right? For, you know, the rainy days as we all experienced growing up and they're going to continue to happen, but make sure that one, you and your partner is on the same page. And then two, having your foundation in order and things eventually work out. As long as you have those daily activities where, you know, you're living below your means, you're budgeting, you're having a conversation, you know, you, you're putting your family first, these things eventually over time, 
And it may take longer, but, you know, your happiness is, is at the forefront of that. So I think that's, you know, powerful and your, your story is definitely inspirational. But I wanted to kind of talk about your high five method. You know, I remember when I was following, we were following you probably about five years ago, kind of, or maybe four years ago, and you used to talk about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love that method. Can you talk about it for our listeners? Of course. I actually created the high five banking method right after my son's heart surgery. The inspiration was all of those other parents who were struggling. And I realized that, you know, the way that we managed our finances made a very big difference in our in our stress level, in our communication, and our ability to stick to our to our guts and our goals and things of that nature. So I created the high five banking method, which is a simple way to organize your finances with purpose. It's composed of five bank accounts, two checking accounts, and three savings accounts. The first checking account is for your mandatory bills. And, you know, sometimes we get like, oh, I don't want to focus on my bills. You need to make sure you know exactly how much money you need every single month for your bills. The next checking account is for your lifestyle. Even though you think you don't spend a lot of money, you still need to make sure you are separating how much money you are want, that you want to spend versus that you need to spend. And then when it comes to the savings accounts, the first one's going to be for your emergency fund, where I recommend to have a three to six a month emergency fund, preferably in a high yield savings account. And then one savings account for your long term goals and one for your short term goals. This high five banking method has it's a lot deeper than a lot of people realize. It sounds like a good idea. But in reality, it has helped my husband and I stick to our budget figure out what our financial goals are and really be each other's accountability partner to stick to what we said and focus on what actually matters most in our finances and adjust everything else that needs to be made adjustments to. I love this method. It's a my baby, <laughs> to be honest with you guys, because it helped us so much during the difficult times, not just the good times. And I think that's the found that financial foundation that we all need in our finances. And because I have a background in financial planning, it's kind of like a mini financial plan. This is kind of the stuff that your financial advisor would ask you when you kind of first meet them. Do you have a budget? How much wiggle room do you have to invest? Uh, what are your long-term goals? What are your short-term goals? Do you have an emergency fund? And if you already have all of these foundational steps set up, it becomes a lot easier to go towards the bigger steps that you have, you know, retirement, education for your kids, and all the more rigorous financial topics that you want to get into. But if you don't have the foundation, you're going to crumble every single time there's a recession, every single time there's a family emergency or a marital dispute. You need to make sure you are both on the same page, especially if you're in a relationship. And even if you're single, you need to make, be clear on what your goals are. What are you working towards? And the high five banking method, it really amplifies that, I believe. We love it. We love the high five banking method. It's great. Like you said, I think it's a you know, just a good place to start to build your foundation. Uh, we believe in having separate accounts for certain line items, like your bills, like your lifestyle, entertainment activities, whatever. Yep, spending <laughs> we do accounts. That. We have spending we accounts. We have individual yep. spending accounts. We have a family activities account. We have a bill pay account. So we're all for that. Yeah, so. Yeah. We will link information about the high five banking method in the show yeah. notes. And, I, and just to add, like with the having multiple accounts, it's kind of like a business, a business runs not just with one account, right? Every six, if 
the best businesses have multiple, several thousands different accounts. So if you want to kind of have a successful financial foundation, it's good to like clearly know what account is for what. And obviously, you know, some people need to do maybe five, six, some people need to do three, four, but it's more of just not having everything all in one account. And I think starting when I started budgeting or Angie started budgeting, we had two accounts, right? And it just changed because we used to have everything all in one account. And I think it just helped so much. And as you you know build your financial foundation, you increase as you go along. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's definitely a great strategy to implement. Yes. So Sirenis, we are so grateful that you came on our show and, you know, just shared your story. It's such a powerful story hearing about your parents and your family. Just I think this this episode is going to resonate with so many people. And so just thank you for being vulnerable and transparent and, you know, just sharing. We're so appreciative. So for those who want to, you know, learn more about you and follow your story, where can they find more information about you? Yes, definitely. You can learn more about the Hi-Fi Banking Method, my debt-free journey, and a lot of other financial topics on my website, Poise Finance and Lifestyle, on social media. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, <laughs> YouTube. Also, my website, Poise Fi- the, the poisedlifestyle.com. Sorry about that. <laughs> but those are the main areas you guys can find me at. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for coming this on. Awesome. Really Thank you so much. Appreciate everything you're doing for the community. Thank um, you guys so much for sharing my story. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration.